All right, good morning. How's everybody today? Doing good? Great. You look good to me. Online, I can't see you, but I'm sure you look great at home in your jammies. So thank you for joining us today, whether you're here in the building or whether you're online. I'm Pastor Kurt. They refer to me as the old guy. So that's where we're coming to in our church, okay? I never thought I'd get there, but here I am. So welcome to our brand new series called The Big Picture. Uh, We're very, very excited about this because basically what we're going to do for the next five weeks is follow Jesus around to some of the most important places that he went, some of the most important things he said. We're going to have some insight into what was important to Jesus. And as he takes us to the cross in six weeks, uh, we want to see what was important to the Son of God. I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like there's a lot of opinions out there. I feel like there's a lot of voices uh, that I hear. I'm on the news every morning just trying to figure out what's going on in our world. A lot of voices, a lot of opinions. And in the midst of all these voices and opinions, I just think it's very important that we hear the voice of Jesus and that, that his voice cuts through the noise uh, into our lives. And so that's why we're doing this series. We want to help you understand in the midst of our world today what Jesus, um, what, what is valuable to Jesus and what Jesus believes and thinks and feels. Now, one of the things that we understand about him is that he was quite the rebel uh, in his culture. And we can say that and know that he was still without sin. So Jesus stood up against his culture, and yet he was without sin. And one of the things he cared about the most was this thing called the kingdom. Can you say kingdom with me? Kingdom. kingdom. This thing called the kingdom. Now, we all have kingdoms in our life. I don't know if you think about it that way. That's not a word we really use. But I like to call them the little K kingdoms. They're the kingdoms that we're committed to. They're the kingdom of personal happiness. Uh, I've got my own little kingdom of personal happiness, don't you? And that's the kingdom where you're king and you do all you can to ensure your personal happiness, right? I mean, that's pretty normal. We want to be happy. Anybody want to be sad? Depressed? No, we want to be happy, right? So as king of our kingdom, we do our best to be happy. And we like to think that we have control. But I've come to believe that I really don't have as much control as I used to think I did. And it's not just the outside controlling me. It's, it's me. I'm out of control. You know, I've been referred to as, as the guy that just doesn't always, under, doesn't always see the details, understand what's going on. Captain Obvious, I've been called, right, because I'll miss some things. So last week, Gwen and I were in Florida with Tim and Steph. Stephanie, you saw on the video a couple of minutes ago. And just to get a little bit of sun, four days in the sun, what's it worth, right? It's good to go. And so Tim is a planner. He runs a company. And so we said, Tim, you plan all the details. You do the dinners. You figure out where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And he loves it. That's what he does. But this one night, he said to me, you know, Kurt, I just don't feel like planning. Why don't you plan tonight? I don't know what he was thinking. But he said, why don't you plan tonight? And we were all excited. It was, you know, we're going to watch a sunset. So my only job was to find a restaurant where we could see the sunset. Okay, that was my only job. So I go online, and I'm looking for stuff, and I'm finding things. And there's not a restaurant in town with an ocean view that has any, any openings at all. Everything's full, right? And so I finally find this one restaurant. It has a table at 5.15, a little bit early. But I asked Tim and the girls, and they said, yeah, we can just kind of hang out till, till you know, 6.30 when the sun goes down. Um, but this was a restaurant that had a view. It was indoors, but it had a view. And so I book it, right, 5.15. And so we get dressed up. We go out in the car. Uh, we get to the restaurant. We use the valet, so valet parking. You know, it's really kind of a nice night. And we walk up to the hostess, and I get my phone out of my pocket, and I said, Langstrat. 
party of four, right? I mean, you know how it is, right? You want to prove you've got it. And, and she looks at my phone and she looks at her screen and she looks back at her phone and she says, this is February 18. You've booked for March 18. And you know that moment where, I mean, I can't say it in church, but you know the moment I'm talking about where you're flooded with this, oh, no. And I kind of look around like, did they notice? But it doesn't matter because we don't have a table. And I look around and Tim's walking up like, right, he's going to rescue me. He's going to save the thing. So he goes, you know, any tables anywhere? And she goes, no, nothing. We're full. We're going to be full for weeks, which is true because there were only two bookings open on March 18th, a whole month later, and I got one of them. So good news is I get to go back to Florida. Just kidding. And it's like in that moment, I'm like, oh, no. And I had not only failed myself for a moment of happiness, but I had failed three other people in their little kingdom of happiness as well, right? And I just realized, you know, oftentimes I just don't have the control that I think I have. And I can ruin my own life quick enough. I don't need the help of the rest of the world, right? I can do it just fine on my own. And so we said to her, you know, is there anywhere? And she goes, well, you know, up the street there's this restaurant. And I heard they're opening up the beach tonight. So you might be able to walk in and get a beach table. So we get in the car, go down to this restaurant, and we stop in at the hostess. She goes, yeah, if you can find something on the beach. And so we walk out to the beach, and there's this one table one table left, but it's got the charcoal in the middle, you know, the, the fire going. And it was on the beach. I mean, we're just a little ways from the waves on the sand. And it was so much better than if we'd have had the other place indoors. And I found myself thinking, oh, Jesus, thank you for rescuing me from my wife tonight. You know, how bad this could have ended. And we were so happy. We stayed there. I mean, we had people like vultures waiting for our table and we just stayed as long as we could and we milked it you know what i mean but it was a great night but it reminded me that i just don't have the control of my own little kingdom that i think i have sometimes anybody else feel that way that like like life just kind of takes control of our lives so i want to talk to you about kingdoms today and i want to talk to you about our little k kingdoms that's what i call all the kingdoms we're committed to in our life like like our own life or our family but then I want to talk about the big K kingdom with you as we, as we launch uh, this big picture and what's important to Jesus. I want to talk to you today, and you know this already, but I want to remind you of what Jesus finds important in our lives. So what's a kingdom? What's a little K kingdom? It's, it's simply the thing that's important to you. Whether it's your own personal life, your personal happiness, it's whatever you give your heart to. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your career, uh, but it's something that you're passionate about. And there's nothing wrong with being passionate about a kingdom, about a little K kingdom. We all have our gifts, we all have our callings, we all have those life experiences like Stephanie, who you know has launched this whole uh, national ministry because of something that happened in their marriage. And so we have passions, and that's good, but what Jesus wants is for his kingdom, the big K kingdom, to be the driving force behind all the little K kingdoms of our life. And I I can speak to myself. I'm not sure that's always the case for me. And so I I don't believe that's always the case for you either. And so I want to talk about that today. And if we're out of alignment with his kingdom, then I believe that Jesus wants us to line up our lives so that what drives us is the thing that he wants to have drive us, not just 
our little K kingdom. Okay? It's kind of like this. You know, we can build a nonprofit and we can give money to buy rice, which we do, and we can send that rice all around the world and we can feed hungry people. Right? And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to feed hungry people. In fact, the Bible talks about that. But if we feed hungry people and we never address the hunger of their soul, and we never address their need for Jesus, then all we've done is prolonged their death. All we've done is help them, uh, help their life be eased a little bit. And we've never addressed the real issue, which is the salvation of their souls. Right? Isn't eternity more important than these, you know, 70, if we're lucky, years we get to spend, or unlucky, we get to spend on this, on this planet? Isn't that true? Isn't eternity more important? And so that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Now, again, we like to think that we're king of our kingdom. We like to think we're king of our family or our career, building up our personal wealth, and, and all those things are okay. But the most control we can hope for in this life, if you think you're in control, of your life, come on, just say COVID with me. You know, the most control we can hope for in our life is to partner with the God who's in control. Really, if, if you're a control freak and you want some control in your life, the best thing you can do is give up control. See, just like that. Give up control <laughs> and join God in his partnership, in his kingdom. You want to have control? Join the sovereign God. He'll give you control in your life to make a difference to have meaning in what it is that your little kingdoms are about. So let him have control. Even Jesus, the Son of God, came to this place in his life where he fully gave up his life and submitted and committed his life to his Father. And Mark tells this story. If you've got your Bible at home or if you've got it here, open it up. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in Mark through this series. But here's what it says. One day Jesus came from Nazareth, that was his hometown in Galilee, and John baptized him. John was his cousin, if you remember. John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. This Greek word for splitting, it's a forceful word. It's not like an easy, cloudy thing that happened, but it was rent. It was split apart. And the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Now, we don't know if the Holy Spirit took on the form of a dove or whether it was just the fact that it seemed like a settling, like a dove would settle. So, you know, we have all these pictures of doves. We're not sure that it looked like a dove. But it, the Holy Spirit settled upon his son, upon the Son of God. And, and my point is this, that even Jesus, God in a bod, right, even Jesus needed to submit his life and be committed to what, had, what God had called him to in his life. And Jesus was fully God, but he was still human, fully human. And so he had needs, and, and we're going to find out he was tempted, uh, but yet he did not sin. And so Jesus really brought his humanity under submission to his heavenly Father in this moment. Jesus, the Son of God, got baptized. And it's interesting because this baptism was a baptism of repentance. That means people were repenting of their sins. But if Jesus hadn't sinned, he didn't need to repent, right? And so why did he get baptized? Well, in another place, Jesus says, I got, I'm getting baptized because it's the right thing. To fulfill all righteousness is actually what he says. But I believe he also got baptized because he wanted to model for us 
what it is to submit our lives and commit our lives to following Jesus, much like these kids did up here today. And so Jesus, the Son of God, got baptized, really, I believe, to signify that he was giving up control to his heavenly Father. This was his moment. From here on out, it was going to be ministry for him. So that's number one in your notes today, that we give up control to God and live for his kingdom. Give up control to God and live for his kingdom. Again, there are many kingdoms that we can be a part of, and that's not bad or wrong. There's many kingdoms, though, that also want to rule over us. The kingdom of self wants to rule over me. I can tell you that. Myself wants what myself wants, right? So myself wants to rule over me. And we are committed to our own happiness. And, and we can make choices that, that contribute to our happiness. And I think that's a good thing. Why make choices that ruin your life? <laughs> right? Why not make choices that contribute to your happiness, to the goodness of your life and of your family? But here's the thing. Even my own happiness should not be above God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom that can drive my happiness. It's God's kingdom in partnership with him that can actually make me more fulfilled than I would have been without him. Now, apart from Christ, apart from God working in our lives, all of these little K kingdoms are under the rule of the enemy. Uh, The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. And, and so we gotta understand that, that anything that's apart from Christ is under Satan's rule in this world, not under God's. So all these little K kingdoms are under Satan's rule until we bring them under the rule of God, uh, under the big K kingdom. And Satan's goal for the church and Satan's goal for the, for the world is to distract us and to destroy us. His goal is that we will be so consumed with the little K kingdoms that we will forget all about the big K kingdom. And the big K kingdom is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is all about the gospel. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is about, it's about Jesus coming to love people back to God. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Now, the culture has kingdoms as well. And it's interesting to me, I was reading up on on the kingdoms and and the seven mountains. I don't know if you know this story, but Bill Bright who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, probably one of the largest evangelic organizations ever on our planet. And then also Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM. These two guys called each other and they got together for breakfast one day back in 1975. And both of them said in their phone call, hey, I had a dream and I want to share my dream with you. They got together. Turns out it was the same dream. God had given them the same dream. And both of them in their dream saw what they described as seven kingdoms of the earth, or seven mountains is how they ended up describing them. And these seven mountains, these the big mountains of the earth, uh, were arts and entertainment, education, business, family, government, media, and religion. And the idea was this, that everybody is connected in some way to one of these mountains, even if it's family or if it's education, or, or if it's government, uh, we are each connected to something. And the uh, idea is this, and this is what I believe Jesus wants us to learn through this morning, is that uh, although it's fine to be passionate about one of these mountains, um, the idea is to let the kingdom of God live through you and bring the influence of Jesus Christ to these mountains so that they can be impacted and, and the people involved in these mountains, people involved in your life, can, can respond to the love of Christ through you. 
the way that you love them, the way that you are inviting them into the kingdom, they'll respond to that. And so uh, Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham said that the idea is to win these mountains with our influence. Let me put it like this. Uh, It's kind of like if each of us were a doctor. Maybe there are a couple doctors in the room today. But if, if you were a doctor, and it's kind of true, too, because we do carry the solution or the prescription for for people in their sin right we carry jesus christ and so in a sense we are a doctor but if you're a doctor and you have a specialty like you're an oncologist or maybe you're a cardiologist you have your specialty that's your mountain but what drives you what drives you is healing correct what drives you is being able to to heal somebody in your area of specialty And so it's not enough just to have a specialty, but we need to be doctors in our world today and in our culture today. And we need to to do our best to do no harm. That's the Hippocratic Oath, right? Do no harm while you're bringing healing to the mountains of our culture. And so I think that sometimes we get so focused on the mountain and what we want to see happen in our mountain that we forget all about the healing. And we just want to get our way. We just want to see the mountain conform and change to what we believe is right. And again, it's good to be passionate about what we're passionate about. But let's not forget that the kingdom of God is about the love of Jesus Christ and his desire to gather people back to the heavenly father. And if we forget that, then we have lost God's purpose in our life. It doesn't matter how passionate you are about your mountain. If you've lost the love of Christ for people then you've lost God's purpose for our life. That's what God wants us to do and to be. You know, we just saw the video of Stephanie, and that's what Stephanie's doing through Reclaimed. It's this fact that she and Tim lived through this bad time in their marriage, and they forgave, and they allowed healing to come, and they moved on, and now God has opened up this ministry uh, that she didn't try to have this happen. It just happened. turns out there's a lot of women uh, that have been betrayed in their marriages across the United States. And so now they are just flocking to have this healing and restoring experience through Reclaimed. So that's a mountain, right? That's family. But let's say that your passion is politics. I have discovered over the last several months that a lot of people are passionate about politics. (laughs) Have you discovered that? And so that's okay. I love to see us try to influence the mountain of government. Um, You may be as disturbed as I am about some of the things that have been happening lately. Equality Act being passed, our Supreme Court uh, decriminalizing the possession of narcotics. Have you been following this? And so now it's going to go to our legislature and they're going to try to make a law about it. But in the midst of all this and the things that you're passionate about in your politics, here's what I want to say to you, that, that Jesus cares about the souls of every person in politics. I don't care what side you're on. Jesus cares about the souls of every person in politics, and that's his biggest concern. And and so that should be our biggest concern. That's the big K, kingdom. Our motivation must be love. It must be love. That's what Jesus came for. In fact, Jesus said in John 18, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight. If it were, my followers would fight. To keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. Maybe you're a teacher, you're in education, or you're in administration. May I just say I love you and thank you 
for bringing the influence of Jesus to our schools. Thank you for that. We have a lot of teachers and administrators and people in education in our church. Pray for them. It's a tough time to teach. We also have a couple in our church named Denny and Nancy McHarness, and they started um, Partners for Schools, Be the One, uh, about seven or eight years ago right here out of North County. They started it. Now it's its own nonprofit, and they're in four schools locally, and they're doing the deal. And, and their, their mission statement has something to do with, you know, a mentor for every child or one adult for every kid, right? So that we can su- provide support for children. But I can tell you that their more foundational mission statement has to do with everybody having an opportunity to feel the love of Jesus through somebody. Now, not all of our mentors may be Christians, but however, there are a lot that are. It just turns out that way. People that care, care. And so they bring Jesus to these students. And I know that's what Nancy and Denny are about. You see, it's about the big K kingdom. It's not just about the little K kingdom. Years ago, when my father was still living, uh, he went to see his doctor, Steve Alexander, Dr. Steve. Some of you go to Steve or went to Steve. And, and that day, Dr. Steve had to give my dad the bad news that he had cancer in his organs. And after he told my dad the bad news in his office, he, uh, he said to my dad, Wilbur, can I pray for you? And my dad said, yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you do when you've received that news? And so Dr. Steve wheeled his chair across his office floor and took my dad's hands in his hands and prayed for him. And what Dr. Steve was doing was bringing the kingdom to my dad. My dad was a follower of Christ. But in that moment, he reminded my dad that there's a bigger picture. There's an eternity. He was like, Wilbur, don't worry. You know what's going to happen when you die. And, And just encouraged my dad with the big K kingdom that my dad was a part of. But my dad needed to hear that. And from his doctor... What a wonderful thing. I'm so happy that we have business people in our church, and some of you are here today, who who you run your businesses, you run them well, you provide jobs for people, you provide product for us to buy. Maybe you're a restaurant owner and you provide places for us to eat, and we're thankful we can eat there again. It's so awesome. Yes, it's so great, isn't it, to be sort of normal again? But you also leverage your businesses. I know you do. You leverage your businesses to provide the gospel for the world. I know many of you are a part of bringing the gospel to places all over the world or to local ministries. You support local ministries. And and that's bringing the big K kingdom to your little K business. You see, business is a mountain, but the kingdom, the big K kingdom is the kingdom of God. And so what you're doing is you're bringing your love for Jesus, your love for for people, your heart to see them saved. You're bringing that to your business. And, and through your business, you're allowing the kingdom to have impact in your world. And you see, those are just some examples of what it means to let the big K kingdom influence our world through our little K kingdoms or our mountains that we're passionate about. So I want to say to you today, and maybe you don't see yourself as a, a part of one of these seven mountains, but you have friends or you have relationships or you have jobs or you have community and and what jesus wants i can tell you this is true what jesus wants is he wants you to bring his love with you wherever you go now you may not 
talk to somebody about receiving Christ, but it's possible that the way that you treat them um, causes a door to be opened to the love of Christ. Maybe you'll get a chance one day to pray with them about receiving Jesus. But even if you don't, the love of Christ expressed in your life to those people that are in your life opens the door to the big K kingdom coming to their life. And so it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much influence you have. Use what little influence you have to allow the kingdom to flow through you to those people that God has given you influence over. That's what it means to bring the kingdom. So I just want to give you a heads up this morning that, though you need to know this, that partnering with God will also um, make you open to spiritual attack. So just keep this in mind. When you're thinking about being a kingdom person, Just remember that Satan doesn't want souls taken from his kingdom and brought into God's kingdom. And so he's going to resist you. And he might even attack you. And I want to say to you today, that's normal. My life is just absolutely filled with attack from start to finish. And many of yours is too. But Satan is going to try to keep you from taking people from his kingdom into God's kingdom. There's going to be a battle, and Jesus faced this battle. So the next verse we talk about is in verse 12. Right after his baptism, right after he was he committed his life and his heart to his father, it says the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Did you get that? It was the Spirit of God that led him into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days, and he was out among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. So I want to say this, that, that what happens to Jesus is likely to happen to us. And that if we're going to partner with God in his kingdom, we're going to be led into situations where there's going to be attack on our lives. And you'll be attacked on every front. You'll be attacked through your family. You'll be attacked by friends. You'll be attacked by the world. And the enemy is brutal. He attacks your relationships. He attacks your marriage. Uh, he attacks your children. I believe that my children have been attacked because of some of the stands that I've taken in my lifetime. And for Jesus, if you look at what he experienced, it was both spiritual. He endured this intense time of temptation. Yes, the Son of Man was tempted to sin. It's not sin to be tempted. Somebody say amen. Amen. If it is, we're all in trouble. It's sin to give in to temptation. So Jesus was tempted, but he was without sin. But Satan also launched, I believe, a physical attack, the wild animals. And I don't know exactly what happened with the wild animals, but Mark mentioned them. So he must have had a point of mentioning the wild animals. But the good news is God sent angels to minister to Jesus and presumably to protect him from the wild animals. I'm reading into that a little bit, but that makes sense to me. Okay, so Jesus was tempted spiritually, emotionally, but also was faced with the very real risk of wild animals in his life. And I want to say to you today, church, open your eyes. If you haven't already, open your eyes and know that there's an enemy of your soul and of the souls of every person you'll ever touch for the kingdom. There's an enemy of your soul that wants to keep you from being effective and loving people to Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to stop that from happening. And so you just need to be aware of that. Open up your eyes and understand that this is what's happening in the kingdom. What was Jesus' response to his temptation and his at-risk 40 days fasting in the wilderness? By the way, he went without food for 40 days. 
What was his response to that? You know, his, his cousin John was in prison. So Jesus could have gone and tried to get John out of prison. He didn't do that. The Roman government was persecuting and overwhelming everybody. Jesus could have formed his own political party and, and could have tried to legislate Rome out of office. He didn't do that. What did Jesus do? And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying, what did the Son of God do? The Son of God went out and preached the gospel. The Son of God went out and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It tells about it in verse 14. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. You know, he was referring to himself when he said that. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is among you. I'm the king. I'm here. I have arrived. And nobody caught it. It's number two in our notes today that the gospel is the goal of God's kingdom. The gospel is the goal of God's kingdom. If you want to partner with God, I don't care what your mountain is, government, education, family, business, doesn't matter. If you want to partner with God, then your life becomes about the gospel. And you allow God to influence whatever mountain you're a part of with the love of Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God on earth is all about the gospel. It's all about God gathering people to himself let's not forget that's the point that's why we're here god created people and he wants them to be with him and not just us but all the people possible and so our goal or our life is to partner with god to make that happen again we can be passionate about our giftings we can be passionate about our little k mountains But what drives us should be the love of people the gospel uh, people getting rescued out of the kingdom of satan and brought into God's kingdom because that is God's goal. The kingdom of God is not physical. It's spiritual. It's working in the inside of people. Luke 17, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or there it is, for the kingdom of God is already among you. And again, Jesus was referring to himself that he was the king of the kingdom and it had come. But what he was saying is, don't think of the kingdom as having borders or having agendas. Think of the kingdom as something that's happening on the inside of, of people's hearts and lives. The kingdom of God is not earthly. We don't fight for our rights. We stand for what is right. We don't have to fight for our rights. We stand for what is right. We don't demand. We stand. We try to do it in a way that shows the love of Christ to our community and to our culture around us. But sometimes we got to stand for the right thing. And it exhibits the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So again, the battle is not to get our way, but the battle is to show the way. That's what the battle is about. We need to remember that when we're passionate about our mountains. That's number three in our notes today. The last thing I want to say is that the kingdom of God is not about getting my way, but showing the way to Jesus. It's a it's a shift in mindset. We're all people that love to get our way about what we're passionate about. But let's not forget that what God has called us to is to show the way to Jesus Christ. And we show the way by the way we live. And this is where 
This is where Jesus' kingdom is different than the world's kingdom. Earthly kingdoms fight for their way. They fight to get what they want. God's kingdom, we show the way. Romans 14, it says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. In other words, it's not physical stuff. But it's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And others will approve of you too. They may not agree with you. But if you do things in a way that is honoring and respectful of people and actually builds a bridge to them and lets them know that they're loved by Jesus, then they may approve of you even if they don't agree with you. And so it's all about the kingdom of God is all about how we live. If you will serve Christ with this attitude, it says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. This is the big picture. And Jesus talked about the kingdom more than almost anything else in the New Testament. It's a picture that Jesus gives us of the kingdom, and that is to live a life of goodness. That doesn't mean back down. I'm not talking about backing down. You know me. I stand up for what I believe, right? It doesn't mean we back down, but it means that we live our life in a way that invites people to a relationship with Christ. And that just simply means it's got to be the gospel that drives us. It can't be our little K kingdoms. It's got to be the big K kingdom that drives us. It's got to be the love of Christ for the people that he loves. You know, our joy shouldn't come from Satan's kingdom suddenly surprising us one day and sharing our biblical values. That's not going to happen. You're not going to wake up one morning and say and, and see in the news that everybody decided to be a follower of Christ in the night. Everybody decided to accept your biblical values. That's not biblical. That's not how the Bible plays it out. We're going to have resistance and more resistance. And so the question is, how do we love in the midst of that? And where does our joy come from? Does it come from making our mountains change? Does it, make, does it come from when our mountains finally conform to us? No. Our joy comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit being in our lives and us approaching people in the way that they can respond to. Again, standing for what's right, of course. Taking a biblical view on all the different things that we've got going in our world, of course. I'm a Bible guy. You know, I will stand on the word of God until they cart me away. But it also means doing it in a way that people can feel like there's a road to Jesus and we can invite them to come and experience the same love that we've experienced. This is what we aim for. And I only know of one way for that to happen, and that is with the Holy Spirit living in our lives and working change on the inside of us. You know, I'm different today than I was 50 years ago. And you're like, you're 50? Wow. That's... Yeah. I'm different today. You know, God's been working on my heart, and I know he's working on your heart, and I, I still have a ways to go. But I can tell you what God's been doing. And, and here it is in our last scripture as we close today from Galatians 5. And you've heard this a hundred times. But this is what you're looking for in your heart if you're partnering with God's kingdom. Here it is. The Holy Spirit produces this in our lives. He produces love. Let's check that box. Do we have that? He produces joy. Do we have that? He produces peace. Are you at peace in your heart? You know, given the world that we're living in, he produces patience. Patience. He produces patience. 
You know what I'm talking about? You know that patience thing? That thing you never pray for, right? Why would you pray for that? He produces kindness. How's your kindness factor? He produces goodness. Are you about being good to people? And he produces faithfulness. He produces gentleness. And he produces self-control. There is no law against these things. Again, I am not preaching a soft social gospel. That is not what I'm preaching. I am preaching stand up for what is right. Do your jobs the way you have to do your jobs. Some of you have tough jobs. Do your jobs the way you got to do them. But do them in a way, hopefully, that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit and invites people to experience the same Jesus that you've gotten to experience. That's the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team is going to come and lead us in one more song, but I just want to pray for all of us here today. And by the way, I, I, I include myself in all these prayers. I'm no different. So let's pray. And, and if you're willing this morning, let's just ask God to work more of that big K kingdom into our hearts, uh, no matter where we live that out. Father, today as we come, we want to love like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to follow Jesus into the places and the values that he has. We don't want to have our own agenda. So, Lord, it's my heart that, that we would be able to love people the way that you love them. And, Jesus, you were able to meet people in their worst possible positions and situations. You were able to love them while still not agreeing with their sin. And they felt it from you. They felt your love. And it evoked change in their hearts. And, God, I, I pray that we'd be able to do that, that we'd be able to love that way. And that in our own hearts, in those conflictual situations we find ourselves in, that we would be able to live in the fruit of the Spirit and and not count on any changes in this world to bring us peace or joy, but, but to count on you so that we can continue to love even when things are hard. So, Lord, for each of us, whether we're, whether we're out there in law enforcement, whether we're out there in education, whether we're out there in the healthcare system, uh, whether we're out there in business, God, it, it's tough. And so our simple prayer is, Jesus, help us love more like you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just uh, bring this home to our hearts as we invite the Holy Spirit to have more room in our hearts today.